0: In 2010, Zahra Golamand made the daunting decision to leave her home
1: country of Iran. I'd never been anywhere else. The first time I left country was to come to Ireland and I started my PhD here in Ireland. It was not the easiest decision. My family couldn't believe it. And what was that decision to leave based on? That's all started after an election in Iran in the beginning of 2010. Here in a festive Tehran, they're calling it the Green Tsunami. When Mousavi, the guy we were, like, from Green Movement, we were supporting him. Mousavi with a clear advantage over President Ahmadinejad. But they manipulated the election, and there's another guy, Ahmadinejad, who took over. And then we were protesting in the street, of course, every day. We were beaten. The same thing that now is happening happened at that time. Many were killed. And that was the time I said, I'm done, you know, because I had no hope. When I looked at those people, I said, this reform, these changes is not going to happen at least in 10 years. And I was quite right, because I look at it now. I was right about the timing. It's, It's 10 years now, almost 10, more than 10 years. And we are at that point that maybe we are able to do something about it. Women in Iran set their headscarves on fire in fury.
0: 12 years after Zara left Iran, protesters are on the streets again. This time, they're led by women protesting the murder of Massa Amini in police custody last month. Eyewitnesses claim that Amini was beaten by police on her way to the station. The police deny it. The crackdown has been lethal with 19 children among the 185 people murdered for taking part in the demonstrations, but protests show no signs of stopping.
1: This is the biggest women movement around the world in the history. So if we stand up for it, it will lead us, all of us, to a brighter future, to a safer future for us and for our children.
0: This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Aideen Finnegan. Today, after decades of despair for the women of Iran, they are fighting for freedom.
1: What does freedom mean to you, Zara? Freedom means to me um, that I make the decision about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to wear. I don't accept any kind of force. you know on anything freedom of speech like if you're not happy about something like we do in Ireland you know you you uh, protest against uh, you know water bill you protest about electricity there was a protest about like science gallery being closed or vaccination but you don't fear for your life you just go there and you know tell whatever you want and you're guaranteed that you're going back home. This is what we want. We want to take part in making decisions. We want to elect people that they can make decisions. They're able, they're rational. they have rational thinking, they're educated, not a person with like primary school education be our president. This is not all about hijab or, you know, compulsory hijab. This is all about other aspects of freedom that we are lacking. We have been lacking this for 43 years old. We have to choose between freedom and homeland. And of course, freedom always comes for us. It doesn't matter how you love your country. This always freedom, you know, it's a human nature.
0: This latest uprising is obviously off the back of the death of Masa Amini, who was, we believe, killed by the morality police. So this uprising is about the hijab?
1: That was the trigger because I, when I observed from all the protests happening in the, the past few years, we always needed uh, we needed a trigger. Once the trigger was the petrol price, the 2019 uprising. And
0: demonstrators have been setting fire to public property, authorities, and they
1: killed the 1,500 people in the street. They gun fired everywhere in the street, and they kill people. And another time, we had a trigger of shooting Ukrainian flight. Iran has admitted its military shot down a Ukrainian passenger jet by accident, killing all 176 people on board. And a lot of Iranian young people, mostly student and professional in that airplane. And that triggered another uprising. This one, I say the trigger, yes, it was compulsory hijab. But it's more than compulsory hijab. Um, this is for women. This uprising, yes, uh, I agree. That is about the women because we, as a women, always been treated as a far below second class citizens, um, and we were deprived from all of our rights. I can give you some examples. We cannot be judges. We need permission from father and then husband to pe- to choose where we want to live. We don't, we, can, we don't have the right to get, take passports, to have a passport, if our husband does not agree. We cannot sing, we cannot dance in public, we cannot go to the stadium to watch the football, we cannot ride a bike. We should wear the dress code that they like everywhere in public except our houses. At the same time, It is not only about these rights, women's rights. It is about the human rights mostly because they've violated the human rights for the past 43 years. We don't have free election. We don't have... they always a screen some people that they think the same as they do. And we have a list, we have to vote to them. This is not an election. This is not a, like a republic, uh, as they say. Uh, at the same time, mismanagement. Because a lot of elites and educated people, they're forced to exile. It's like emigrate. Uh, and now key roles in the government are in the hand of people. They have no education or experience whatsoever to run. That's what all the this coming from. They cannot manage even natural resources. They cannot create jobs, unemployment, poverty, inflation. They're all rocketed up in the past few years. And that's uh, people are fighting for right now, beside the compulsory hijab. So,
0: this is why so many people have united in the protest, even though it was triggered by this incident with Masa Amini and the morality police and I do want to ask you about those conditions uh, Zara, because i mean what what who are the morality police? Are they a dedicated force that literally surveil
1: everybody to make sure they 're dressed the right way so uh, this morality police officially been created after revolution after revolution uh, women Of course, they didn't want to accept the compulsory hijab, and there was uh, lots of protests, like big protests. And then they decided to create this police to control. Sometimes they take it easy a little bit for a while, for different reasons. And then um, for some time, they uh, apply more forces, which is is the past, uh, I think, two years. They take it very seriously. And the footage is um, coming uh, along in the Internet all the time about them forcing women into the van and taking them to the places. There are some campaigns by some Iranian um, journalists outside Iran leading these people, like, you have to take your camera Take these videos and send it. People should know how you're treated by this morality police. And after all of these campaigns, of course, they're more brutal because they don't want the world to see them. You had your own
0: interactions with the Morality Police, didn't you?
1: Yes, of course, Um, as every girl has lots of stories uh, that could tell you. Um, I I didn't go home for three years because of Covid, but this July I went home and I refused to wear um, a head scarf, a compulsory hijab. I was in a suit and then I had um, the scarf on my shoulders. And uh, to my surprise, I saw a lot of girls doing the same. They're walking in the street without a headscarf, and it was like it feels normal because... Nobody was looking at me or any other girls. I remember 10 years ago, if you do it on the street, people like you, it's like they're surprised or something strange going on. But it was very normal, and I was so happy. My husband said, oh, yeah, keep going. This is all women should do. We should support each other. If you do, if every single girl does that, uh, they're going to end this compulsory hijab. And then after a few days, uh, we were going to dentist when I got text messages. My brother-in-law got text messages because we were using his car about a woman without headscarf sitting in your car in date and time you have to bring your car to the car park of morality police and you have to pay this fine blah 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 they keep your car two weeks in the car park and you have to pay a massive uh, parking fee uh, along with the fine that you get and of course like if i do it i i I said, OK, I don't care. I pay the money. But then my husband and other men, like my father, is like, no, don't do this. You're short here. And if they they take the car, you know, you'll be behind your schedule. And I accepted it because what else I could do, uh, you know. And I heard from my friends back home when I shared this story with them on my Instagram, a lot of them said, yeah, yeah, we do it all the time because we don't wear hijab at outside, but, you know, to protect our car because we are going to work every day with the car we're going shopping we cannot lose our car and then the same thing in the cafes like I was in a cafe and I didn't have the head of scarf. and then the the owner came to me with a very shameful face I was like I'm so sorry, but I don't want to tell you this. But, you know, could you please wear your headscarf? Because they often check the cameras, and if they see that, you know, they're going to close my business. And, of course, you don't want this to happen to your people. They put people in front of people, father, parents in front of kids. You know, this is how they control Maybe uh, after this process, after this uprising, if things settle down, they're going to remove uh, this morality police off the street. But they will be more advanced. They, uh, they get uh, AI and face recognition technology from China. They have the cameras everywhere. So even, even and they have their, oh, everybody's phone number if you even walking in the street. Do you think that
0: most people disagree with the compulsory hijab and the policing of what women wear, or is there still a lot of support for that
1: in Iran? No, I believe, you know, a lot of a lot of families, especially in, in rural areas, they're still religious. They believe in their hijab. And we respect them. We don't want to force anybody. The the thing we're saying is that it shouldn't be forced. I should be free. This is about the choice. It is not about, you know, Islam. My, my father is, is a religious uh, person and, you know, we always um, talk and discuss things. We never convince each other. We don't try to convince each other, but we respect each other. And this is, should be in every level of the society. Were you surprised seeing these protests
0: take off and just the groundswell and the sheer numbers of young women and girls who were joining the protests? I, I'm, I was really struck by the video of the the man from the Basij who came to the school and the girls took the hijab off their head and shook it at him. Female college students in Tehran screamed "Get lost!" to Iran's president as he visited their campus and condemned anti-government protesters Saturday. <laughs> You know, this is a scary person, generally,
1: and they they weren't afraid. Yeah, yeah, this is the thing. We were afraid. Uh, I remember we we were afraid when we like when we were walking in the street and we came across this van and these people inside. We just either take our scarf a bit closer, try to look decent as they want. Or we were uh, looking for a shortcut or or another way to turn around uh, these people. But these girls, they they don't have fear. And yes, I was very surprised to see the school protests. Even they finish school and these kids, they know technology because they're born in the area of technology. So they know how to use social media, even with all the restrictions on the internet. So they kind of manage to meet each other outside the school and protest, they're average 16 up to 18 years old. And they have no fear. And I can tell you where this is coming from. Because we grow up, Because we were uh, under uh, oppression, we raised during the war. They always raised us very conservative way. They always told me, if you go to university, don't mix any political, no political uh, argument, nothing. But all that live in the country, they raise their children with a free spirit. They always respect them you know, they didn't tell them what to wear, what to do, you know, they kind of gave them the self-confidence, even though they had to kind of remind them sometimes, you know, this is the way outside. The reality is different than what we have in the house. But, but, you know, these girls have the confidence, these these people have the confidence and they're not hoping for change. They really do want the change. And I think it's going to happen. You must be
0: very worried for them, knowing that, you know, these people are being killed in
1: protests all the time. Yeah, I, I'm worried. At the same time, I'm hopeful because, you know, the most valuable things you have in your life is freedom. And and people, especially young generation in um, in Iran, they're at this very tipping point. You know, they they choose the freedom. They don't want to live this life. They cannot tolerate anymore. And that's why they don't fear for for their life because, you know, they want the they want the change. It's not only hope; they really want want it. And when you, I, I believe, it's human nature. If you really want something, you get there.
0: Do you think this could be the beginning of the end for the regime?
1: I don't want to be very optimistic, um, even though I believe. But you know, it may take time. So what I can tell is, is that, you know, the fear is broken. We're not going back to the place we were a few years ago. So even though we don't get whatever we want right now, if we don't if we want to change the regime, if we couldn't do it right now, the, the groundwork is still continuing. It's no way that it goes back to the previous, you know, uh, situation. And maybe now, I have, I don't know, I cannot tell you the exact time, maybe now, maybe next year, but it's, it's very soon. It's not going to be long. Is it
0: possible for the protesters or a group of protesters, like a delegation to negotiate with the regime? Will there be, will there be any resolution like that? Or is it a case of, no, the regime just has to be
1: toppled? <laughs> I believe um, they closed all the doors they brutally c- killed Nika
0: Nika Shakarami one of the thousands of young Iranians who took to the streets on September 20th
1: <laughs> Nika was only six, 16 years old schoolgirl beautiful she was artist she was had, full of life and they killed her and then they started to make like, oh, Nika was here. Niva, Nika had suicide. She just, you know, fell from the roof. And why she was here in that building is very strange. She started all their, again, the propaganda to, to make a story about her, her, her death. There is no single time that, okay, we are sorry. We're going to kind of follow up. There is be justice for the people that killed this kid. And uh, no. They never apologize for any single death of these people because they think they're they're right. They think that God is by their side and they do all of this because of God and because they're they're cruel. Because if you believe you're doing this for the God, it makes you a very scary creature. So I believe the doors are closed. They're not going to negotiate. This is going to be Bloody blood all over the country. And this, this, had to ha- this has to happen for us to get the freedom. The nature of every revolution is like this. We were hoping that we'd do it with reforms, not with revolution, 10 years ago when I left the country. But negotiation and reform is off the table now. And everybody, I believe, is just fighting for the regime change and uh, for democracy.
0: And Zara, you mentioned that you can't go back to Iran by taking the stand and speaking to us today. So are you, I suppose, borrowing a bit of that spirit from the girls over there?
1: Yes, because the feeling I have is not that, you know, this is for for now for for after this protest i always had this feeling i always read the news even though sometimes i tell you're not living there anymore you are, i have an irish identity i have a son that's born here you know just integrate into this society just forget about the, the past you know but i can't i every morning i read the news i'm really feeling sad for people that struggling with economic Uh, situation for inflation and then there is a time that I said no that's your country you were raised you you, maybe you ignore this feeling but you come back to it and that's the point I came back to it seeing these kids being killed in the street I cannot live in my cocoon anymore Uh, I have to break it When I, I cannot uh, go and fight for them, uh, at least we can help their voice to be heard. And that's the only thing I can do right now. And I'm trying every min, um and I, I'm not fearing. Uh, the You know, the the worst case scenario is that I'm not going back home to visit my family and I'm OK with that. What can people in Ireland looking on do? What, what can people
0: around the world do? What do Iranians want the world to do to help them?
1: I ask everybody to stand up in solidarity with Iranian women, to remind ourselves that freedom is never free. We have to take care of um, uh, freedom. It needs to be defended. We have to defend freedom. Here, I would say everybody to use their voices, to use every social platform they have to educate who doesn't know about what's going on in Iran. This is uprising; it's a tipping point in women's rights around the world. This is the biggest movement. This is the biggest women um, movement around the world in the history. So, if we stand up for it, it will lead us, um, all of us, to brighter future, to safer future for us and for our children. So. Don't let this fire to go down and people and women go back to where they were before. That's it for today. This episode
0: was produced by Declan Conlon. In the News will be back on Friday.